I'm Joe Kane. I'm Dan Kane. I'm Sal Conca. And I'm Wayne Heckler. And this is the Imperfect Podcast. To the bumper. This week in the news. J.J. Abrams has announced that he will not be recasting the character of Chekhov in future installations of Star Trek after the unfortunate passing of actor Anton Yelchin. The Netflix series Making a Murder has been officially picked up for a second season. Power Rangers movie has released new pics of the new costumes. They look pretty sweet. Director, actor, producer, and writer Gary Marshall passed away this week at age 81. He's known for Pretty Woman, Dick Van Dyke, Princess Diaries, Odd Couple, Happy Days, and Laverne and Shirley, just to name a few. He's a big influence here at us at, at uh, Heckler Kane, and our thoughts go out to his family. And that's the news. Indie Tips. All right, so here's a list of gear that every indie filmmaker should have. First of all, uh, number seven on our list is the editing program. You need some kind of editing program to get going. Basically, uh, I've personally used uh, Final Cut and iMovie, which are iMovie is basically a simple version that comes free on on the Macs. Uh, you can also get it on your phone. You can get it on your tablet. Um, really easy movie editing uh, for basics, and it's free. Um, the next thing, you need some kind of uh, light source. and uh, You can start out by getting little cans uh, from Home Depot. They're like, I don't know, 14 bucks for a little can and a light bulb. Uh, or you can get into something like an LED panel uh, for relatively cheap. Uh, obviously, number five on our list is, uh, and we're counting down the list real quick, the uh, number five is cables, clips, and SD cards. All your basic things that you're going to need. That's pretty self-explanatory that you need those things. Um, a shotgun mic, in specifically, is number four on our list. Um, it's it's a definite need. Very key. It's right. key. Uh, the, the level of sound... Um, uh, you guys, uh, Sal and Dan have both worked as soundmen on different projects. Um, what are your input on uh, using a the the sound in a shotgun, shotgun mic. mic? Yeah, I mean, it, you you can't beat it for one. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's it, the 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 circumference that it picks up, I guess, compared to other types of microphones, is really the key, right? So you're able to pick up uh, things from different angles and be able to get those different shots when you're using like a, a boom stand or something like that accompanied with the shotgun mic you can get all sorts of sounds and make sure that you're uh, not picking up ambient noise and things like that it, it level it, it brings the level of your production up uh, exponentially now, now I have a couple of suggestions three suggestions they're all in about the $300 range for the uh, uh, shotgun mics uh, Audio-Technica makes an AT897 uh, that's the one that we use personally uh, on most of our projects uh, Sennheiser MKE600 or the Rode NTG2 uh, any one of these mics are all comparable they're all in the same price range around the $300 to three to $400 range uh, but it makes a huge difference in your production value and we'll try to include links to these in our blog and on our YouTube channel. 
top three things uh, that a indie filmmaker should have. You should have some kind of field recorder. Uh, we use, personally, a lot of times the uh, Zoom H4n, and they just came out with an H4n Pro, which is an upgrade to that. Um, that it's it's a very handy recorder. And no, we're not getting paid by Zoom to say this, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's definitely a, uh, a good, solid recorder for the field. Um, the next piece on our list is a monopod. Basically, you're going to need something to support your camera. Now, um, that's it, the monopod itself is is something pretty uh, simple. Uh, it's a straight pole. There's the camera goes on top. There's no problems with it. Um, it's you can get a lot of type of tracking shots. You can use it as a stabilization rig. Uh, it's very versatile using a monopod as opposed to a tripod. And you can pick one up at Target for like fifteen bucks. Especially when you're you. on location and you want to be able to move freely from shot to shot. It comes in handy with a lot of things in tight spaces just to line up. Uh, number one uh, is the, your camera. Obviously, you need a camera to be a filmmaker, right? No. <laughs> Um, now, there are a lot of things out there. Uh, the, the iPhones, the, the quality of the iPhone cameras are becoming great out there. You, ca you can shoot a film. You can shoot an indie film on an iPhone. In full HD. In full HD, absolutely. And, and edit it, and it, it'll look great. Uh, my, my personal preference is get yourself into a DSLR camera. You'll have uh, a lot more focusing options. You have the, um, the, the SLR lenses are interchangeable, so you can always upgrade your lenses as you go. Uh, personally, we're Canon guys. We, we uh, shoot with Canon a lot. Um, and now there's the top end, the, the 5Ds and the 1Ds, which are the, the top end DSLRs uh, that run anywhere from you know uh, 2,500 up to... Uh, you know, almost $10,000 if you get all the uh, accessories. Um, but you can get yourself into like a T2i, which is a um, kind of an entry level, and you can still do the same type of filmmaking. Um, the 70D, uh, just throwing out some <laughs> random letters and numbers, the <laughs> 70D is a, uh, a solid camera, and it comes with a full, full frame sensor, and it's probably the least expensive that has the full frame sensor in it. Pop uh, quiz, what does SLR stand for? Single single lens reflex. Good job. Yes. <laughs> um, any more questions? We're going to put this list on our uh, in the notes in our um, selection here, and we will. And one thing you have to realize is it's not so important about the equipment you have, but how you use it. We have to remember that. Very key. I think a woman told me that once. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, <laughs> have a wonderful day. Main topic. Why does Hollywood make bad movies? If you're a screenwriter or a Hollywood enthusiast like us, you might often ask the question of why does Hollywood make such bad movies? Especially because it's such a hard field to break into as a screenwriter. So we read this article from ScreenCraft, Why Hollywood Does Make Bad Movies. And it's up for discussion. I know that often that's a question we often ask. Yeah, you know what? It's it's very difficult to get your movie made, to get out there. We spend a lot of time trying to pitch our ideas and uh, even writing scripts on spec and trying to get them out there, um, you know, and, and to someone who could actually make them uh, in Hollywood. Now, uh, getting getting noticed as a, as a screenwriter is very difficult. Um, you know, what are, what are some of the tasks that you have to go through as a screenwriter to get your stuff 
noticed. Now, even if you're very impressive as a writer, there are a lot of aspects that really go into making the actual movie because rec- someone recognizes your writing skills as one thing and actually having a film greenlit is another. So a lot of times companies actually buy the screenplay from you, but sometimes it still doesn't get made into a movie unless both are connected. So the business aspect of making a movie is very important. You have to know when they're buying, is this a screenplay that could make us money? Is it something that could sell does it reach the people and will it make money well let's let's break it down into its simplest uh form this is a business you have to be able to make money now what are the what are some of the things uh, let me pose this question what are the what are some of the steps that would guarantee that a screenplay no matter how good or how bad will make money well this is why we see so many reboots yeah and sequels and because these franchises They've already either proven to make money, you know, in some regard, and they're greenlighting additional projects on top of them. I mean, that's one of the reasons why the comic book and superhero companies, you know, the Marvels and DCs of the world, I mean, they're just making money hand over fist because fans, fans are driving that. You know, you know that that industry. It has a name already. It has That's the why name. it's not brand new. Sometimes it's a risk. If there's a brand new idea, as original as original as it re- can be, it's looked at as well. This is harder to sell right now. It might be. So when you have the name, like say, it's comic books, it's already a sell. Now you just have to back it up with a great script. Yeah, and this is why you have a lot of indie filmmakers out there funding their own projects because it's hard to get an original idea funded yeah it's, you know the, the the companies you know they don't want to take risk on new ideas and independent stuff you know because they can't back it out to their pocketbooks right. you know so to speak and and determine if it's going to make money they yeah. don't know yeah. well get, getting back to the familiarity uh uh concept um there, there's been movies out there that are you know sequels and and reboots and everything is going on and going okay well We've got to take a cartoon from the 80s and go, okay, let's make a movie of this, and the, or, or the comic book things. Um, but when you have, like, a sequel, if a movie costs, uh, let's say, $30 million to make, now I'm using a round number, if it costs $30 million to make, you know for a fact that you're going to have a set fan base because of the familiarity of the characters and the familiarity of the storyline that already existed before. Yeah. Um, so, if it, it could be a um, a flop, uh, what could be considered a flop, where it doesn't make a ton of money, uh, but for example, it costs thirty million. And now, uh, <laughs> I, I put that out there. Uh, let me actually get the exact. Um, it had a budget of thirty million. Paul Blart Mall Cop Two. Uh, <laughs> this is right in the article that we read, and it made one hundred and thirty-eight million uh, worldwide. Um, now. Looking at that, going okay. Well, it was considered a flop. <laughs> well, it was. It was critically the the critics bashed it. Right. right. It was yeah. not. It was seemingly not a good film. Yeah. But but from a financial standpoint, financial it was st- not a flop by any means. Exactly. It's, it's like, a success. Yeah. You see these movies, right? So Paul Blart Mall Cop, Mall Cop comes out, and you go, "Why is Kevin James made?" I love Kevin James, by the way. But why yeah. in the world is he making this movie? Because they know basically his own star power, his fan base is going to pretty much go see this film. And so much so to the point where whatever it did, they grossed profit on that first movie and they're going to put out the second. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you don't have to create a following. You already have it. 
then you're just drawing those people back in. Like if you if there's a movie that you love, and it's out there, you make a sequel, you gotta go see it. They can make ten sequels if you if you're a big fan of that original movie, you gotta go see every piece of every part of the storyline, and you want to go see it. That's yep. it. All right, I'm gonna throw a, a, a monkey wrench into this uh, do it. middle of the thing. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> I feel like uh, we have a debate at this way. table about the Ghostbusters reboot. Um, it's a huge risk. It's a huge risk. It's absolutely a huge risk. Now, uh, half the table goes, okay, you know, it's it's going to be something that's uh, palatable, I suppose, or uh, it's going to be something that you have to go see because you're a fan of the original. Well, the question is, right, we're talking about why does Hollywood make bad movies. I'm in the camp that the new Ghostbusters is going to be a terrible movie. It's going to make tons of money, though. So yeah. that, isn't that a good good thing, though? Well, it's it's good for the movie companies and things like that. Is it good for the struggling actors and filmmakers no. <laughs> of the world that don't understand why their film can't get made and why is the Ghostbusters reboot happening? You know, in this way, you know, I... it's a question. Mm-hmm. It becomes a yeah. question of art and business. That's why a lot of yeah. the films, when you think like the real artsy films that are really such high quality, they'll win the film festival, but uh, will they be economically successful as well? And sometimes no. And real filmmakers, even the ones that make the decisions, they know the difference between a high quality movie and one that's just there making money. Yep. So we can't forget that. And one other thing I'd love to bring up is this. When a movie is bad, our first approach is to blame the writer. And, you know, somebody has to be the fall guy, I guess. But yeah. all too often, a writer can have a great idea. And as it's going up the channels, people make changes. They insist on changes. And sometimes it's even just rushed. The, oh, yeah. the post-production is rushed. Hey, we're knocking this out, like it or not. They figure they're still going to make this much money. So it's not as important to make that great film. Nothing so like running yeah. out of budget at the last minute, right? Yeah. <laughs> we didn't have enough money for that last CGI scene. <laughs> we're just going to cut it. and oh, oh, wait, that was an essential piece of the storyline. Oops, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that makes the writers look bad too sometimes when you have something that lands on the cutting room floor. Right. Yeah. And we have to remember all writers, if you're getting up to that stage, you know, you've proven yourself already. Yeah. There's plenty of things that were successful before that point, just like the article was indicating that as well. They're successful at writing, they made their name, and now they're given chances. Sometimes it doesn't go well, sometimes it does, but they're not there because they're bad writers. What does it take to get on top as a good writer? You have to separate yourself. You have to be have a have to have a strong voice, a unique voice, you know, as a writer, right. and um, prove to yourself that you can be, you can follow up. You can, you're going to be there. You're going to meet the deadline as well. Sometimes you're asked to write something. If you're a great writer, but you can't meet the deadline, obviously that's not a. I'm I'm going to disagree with you. You don't have to be the best writer. What I'm thinking is, and and my my philosophy on this is, you have to have that one film that made a difference. That, that stood out a little bit, whether it's your writing or not that has done it. You have to have one film, and if that one film says, okay, that this person is a writer, you then get a chance to keep going on. Recognition. Sure. Yeah, Recognition, absolutely. exactly. Yeah. If, if, if you don't get recognized, you're, you're kind of just... I guess it's how you define being a good writer then. What does that actually mean? Does it mean you're the most artsy person or you know how to write a story from beginning to end that has many elements that the audience could relate to? Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt with, I mean, to get a feature film sold and produced, right? I mean, without the script, the idea is just the idea. I mean, I say it all the time. Ideas are, they're just floating around. Anybody, we... we Sure. We sit around and every week I think we got five new ideas for a film something. 
but you know, without the script and without the actual components of it pieced together, the idea is it it, didn't, it it can't come to life without those elements. So that's that's what you know. It takes those two components: having an idea you can sell that's and, you know palatable to a, a wide audience, but having the script and the structure and the rest of the pieces to back that up. Right. You know, and then, the follow through to actually oh, get yeah. it done from begin from script to post production to the yeah. actual showing of the feature. It does take a lot, a lot of ambition and a lot of work, but. So, Dan, what are some of your favorite uh, bad Hollywood movies? You got any favorite bad movies? <laughs> I I don't know if I enjoy bad movies. No? <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> what I, about any sequel franchises that you thought shouldn't have gone the distance? Uh, I mean, I, I'm actually in the rare that... Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a big Godfather fan, okay. and I'm one of the few people that actually enjoy the third movie. Not to say that it's anywhere near the first two, and I think it gets compared to those, and so it's, you know, it's nothing compared mm-hmm. to them. But I actually think it's underrated. I actually enjoy the movie, so I, I can't really say that I was mad at that one going further. So do we think that's an example of, like, uh, you know, the I mean, third movie shouldn't have been made? It wasn't necessarily very good, but because of the franchise, well, they knew it was going to make money yeah, no matter what? Yeah, absolutely. They knew it was going to make money. Um, that's a huge name in movie history, The Godfather, and basically... Got bad reviews, but made money. So, sure, you know that was they can make Godfather twelve, and it'll probably make money. So, <laughs> well, it gets back to the whole idea of the the sequel thing. You, you you're going to be, it it's got a name. Yeah, it has the name. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, bad films. Uh, this this article has a nice, lovely picture of John Travolta uh, <laughs> in a, in a lovely um, <laughs> ensemble. Um, yeah, so this this article ended up. The reason we're talking about this, and this article was one of our um, most engaged tweets online, and you can you know have fun with us on Twitter at Heckler Kane Inc. But you know this the, the reason we wanted to talk about it is because a lot of people seem to relate to this topic, and in the the the, the picture. Uh, you know, used as the the featured picture for the article was John Travolta in Battlefield Earth, which is coined no less as the worst film ever made. <clears throat> so, <laughs> I, you know, I never really looked into the backstory be- before on Battlefield Earth. I just thought it was a terrible movie that John Travolta made, and for some reason, I said, "Why? Why did he even make this movie?" <laughs> I never, I never thought to look it up. Apparently, though, with his ties to Scientology, it was a film that Travolta was pushing to have made for a long time. It was about L. Ron Hubbard's novel, specifically, and all the major studios uh, ran for the hills. None of them wanted to make it. it. He couldn't get the movie produced. Because of his ties to Scientology. Because of the movie's ties to yeah. Scientology, essentially, right? So not necessarily... Travolta because yeah. they put him in movies it's just the it was the contents context of the movie that that was keeping people away and it was his pet project is that right this was his pet project and a, and a production company will leave unnamed you can go to Wikipedia to find it out but a production <laughs> a, a production company that basically specialized in rescuing stars installed pet projects uh, picked this up Travolta was signed as a co-producer. He ends up dumping millions of dollars into this movie. Uh, I think the the company ended up being sued for 
were fraudulently uh, claiming the budget was $31 million more than it actually was. whole lot of issues with this with this film in general. And, uh, you know... It's not like you ordered an extra stapler at the office. You oh, know? no. It's, it's just, just a disaster all around with this film. And, you know, I mean, Travolta, obviously, you know, he's an icon in the film industry. He's done so many great things in independent films and major blockbusters. I mean, you know... Um, and so this film, you know, just in general, it got made, but it ended up having to be funded privately for the most part. You know, he got a production company to pick it up. Um, you know, not anybody major. None of the majors picked this would touch this film. That was a, a good look into that that film as uh, I guess our our number one pick for the worst movie of all times. <laughs> yeah, well, not just ours. I mean, everybody agrees clearly. Yeah. <laughs> I think they. I think I, I it like had a two percent. On Rotten Tomatoes. Oh. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen. Wow, that's that's rotten. <laughs> and and you know, in all fairness, maybe it started off as this great idea. It's just all the elements in between could have just it got ruined for many different reasons. I'm sure at the next Scientology convention, I'm sure everybody <laughs> was waiting waiting to see this movie. I'm sure. All right. Well, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for here. Here's a little segment from one of our old shows, Hollywood Know How, and this tells you how to make your homemade. DIY lavalier mic. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about lavalier mics, and we're going to show you how to make your very own homemade version of one. Aren't you excited? I am. The first thing you will need for this build is an old pair of headphones, the kind that comes with your smartphone. You will need a small black binder clip and a pair of regular old wire snips. This little rectangular piece is actually a microphone. You will need to snip off the earbud that is above the mic. Then snip off the other earbud that is at the Y section. Be sure to snip off the one without the mic. The binder clip is a simple way to attach the mic to your shirt. You could also just use a small piece of medical tape. We found a free app called Road Rec LE. It works a thousand times better than the onboard recorder that's in the phone. You can set up a new recording and just hit record. And this becomes your lavalier mic. It's a high quality sound for no money. Just repurposing an old headset. Drop the phone in your pocket and attach the new lav to your lapel. The cheap and easy solution for a lavalier mic. To find the full episode of this Hollywood know-how, please search for Heckler Kane on YouTube.